Welcome to Hope Assembly of God Online. We believe no matter the journey, there is always hope. This is a recording of our live Sunday sermon, unedited, uncut, real. We are the church with Jesus as the head. Do you know the church buildings didn't come into existence till hundreds of years after the church started? They often met in homes or wherever they could meet at that point. The building is not what defines the church. The people are what defines the church. And so we've talked about often how when I grew up in Sunday school, the the answer would be pray, read your Bible, go to church. And if those didn't fit, then you said Jesus. And one of those answers would fit. Pray, how do you want to grow in your relationship to the Lord? Or how do you grow? Pray, read your Bible, and go to church. Well, now it has been It has come to us, and maybe we needed this realization all over again. Pastor Rick, I'm going to need some more water. Um, Excuse me. This realization all over again that we're to pray, read the Bible, and be the church. We're to be the church where God has placed us. We come together in a building so that when we leave, we can be a better Christian. That's the purpose of it. The goal is not to come together. That's awesome, and I love it. I've grown up in church. I love the church. But that's not the end. This is the beginning of each week to refresh us, to strengthen us, to challenge us, to encourage us so that we can go and be the church throughout the rest of the week. And one of the ways of being the church is to be kind. What? What does God want me to do? What's God's will for my life? Well, let's start with be kind. Be kind to your neighbor. Be kind to those that don't deserve it. Be kind to those that uh, you encounter somewhere along the way. Last week, we looked at the attitude of kindness that God is kind to us. It's his kindness that brings us to him. It's his kindness that sent his son to die for us. When we are kind to others, we're representing Christ in this world. We're being what he wants us to be. We're doing what he wants us to do by being kind. Kindness in a biblical sense is not weakness. In fact, kindness is strength. I might take another week on this. I haven't decided yet. But kindness isn't just saying what everyone wants to hear. Kindness sometimes involves telling people what they don't want to hear, but what they need to hear. Jesus never stopped being kind when he looked at Peter and called him Satan. (laughs) Peter needed to hear that. Peter knew that, needed to know that he was off track and headed in the wrong direction. Oh, that he would have heeded the words of Jesus. He wouldn't have denied Jesus. But Jesus never stopped being kind when he looked at his disciples and says, why are you... Because Jesus did this. I don't know if you knew this or not, but Jesus did this. Why are you so dull? Why aren't you getting this? He never stopped being kind. See, even kindness sometimes involves telling people difficult things. Kindness, I say that to say kindness is not a weakness. Kindness is a great strength. You have to be strong to be truly kind. And because kindness isn't always easy. Well, we have this meme that we found. Memes are cartoon. We used to call them cartoons, <laughs> basically. But this meme, I don't know, Dor, did you find it or somebody? Uh, I thought was so perfect. Uh, Be kind to everyone, Jesus says. 
Someone says, wait, even Gary? And then someone else says, yeah, Gary, he's, he's the worst. Look, we've been through this. Yes, be kind to Gary as well. Gary speaks up, ha, you losers. <laughs> Jesus says, not now, Gary, not now. Do you have any Garys in your life and are they sitting next to you? That's what I want to know. Do you have any, some of you won't get this, some of you will. Do you have any Karens in your life? And are they sitting next to you? How many got the Karen crack? Anybody? Okay, good. Uh, what does kindness then look at, look like, even to the Garys in your life? We're going to look at a familiar story. I don't have all of the words up there, but I'll read it and share it with you. It's in Luke 10, 25 through 37. Luke 10, 25 through 37. Door. Morning, coughing, nose running. I feel fine, just falling apart. Luke 10, 25. On one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, teacher, he asked, what must we do to inherit eternal life? Again, he didn't care so much. He wanted to see if Jesus had the right answer according to him. What's written in the law, Jesus replied. How do you read it? The man answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. And so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Okay? He wanted to complicate things because in their day, the Judaic system had different people that they considered uh, worthy of their love. It was almost like a caste system. And so he wanted to confuse the issue instead of dealing with it head on and said, well, who is my neighbor then? Who should I love? And if that's the question, who should I love and who shouldn't I love? So Jesus then goes on to tell this story. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho whom he fell into the hands of the robbers and they stripped him of his clothes. They beat him and, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to the inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any gift or any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? Verse 37, the expert of the law said, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Well, here's the characters within the story. First of all, the man that was robbed. He was traveling a dangerous road. 
elevation and all of that. I'm not going to get into all the details of it. You know the story. He was traveling a dangerous road. It was common for thieves to hide, wait for people to pass by, and then beat them and steal from them. And that's exactly what happened to this man. And he was left laying there. The first man to walk by was a priest, one of the spiritual leaders in the nation of Israel. He was in charge of the worship uh, at the temple. And what did he do? He hurried past. Uh, Maybe he was thinking of, you can't touch a dead person, and if you do, then you're going to be unclean for seven days. And whether he was going to the temple or leaving the, the temple area, having done his duty, he thought in his mind he didn't want to be ceremonially unclean. Someone put it this way, he set the claims of ceremony above those of charity. See, the ceremony became more important than, than love. And he missed the whole point of scripture. The temple and its liturgy, meaning uh, how we worship the Lord, meant more to him than the pain of the man. The temple and its litur- liturgy meant more to him than the pain of this man. Do you remember the story where Jesus healed the man with the withered hand? The religious leaders didn't rejoice that the man was healed. They said, you can't heal on the Sabbath. You broke the law. They were more concerned with their rituals than they were with those that were robbed and those that were hurting. They completely missed the point of Scripture. The point of Scripture is very simple. Love God and love others. The Ten Commandments are broken into two tablets. The first tablet is love God. The second tablet is love your neighbor. It all boils down to that. Even Jesus said, love God with all your heart and everything in you and love your neighbor as yourself. The priest studied the word but didn't understand the word because he thought their ritual was more important than the man that had been robbed. And so he passed by on the other side. The Levite, the Levites were helpers to the priests. The Levites uh, would do the work of a deacon, custodian, assistant, musician, movers, and repairman. Maybe the Levite felt he was too busy doing, watch, he was too busy doing the Lord's work to actually do the Lord's work. See, he thought the Lord's work was found in the temple by, you know, straightening things up or doing what else he had to do. He thought that was the Lord's work. When in actuality, the Lord's work was to help this man that had been robbed. He missed it completely because he was doing the Lord's work. And it turns out he wasn't doing the Lord's work at all. Because whatever takes place within the house of God prepares us to do the Lord's work. We worship the Lord, so we take our attention off of ourselves and put it uh, onto Jesus. We, we give so that we take the focus off of our needs to meet the needs of others. We give so that others can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. We attend church so that we can be filled, encouraged, strengthened, and learn, equipped to do the work of the Lord. See, the work of the Lord in the house is not more important than the work of the Lord outside of the house, you understand? The priest and the Levites, who were spiritual leaders, totally missed the point of Scripture, which was to love God and love your neighbor. Who comes next? The Samaritan. The Samaritan, Jesus, I love this. He picked the most despised person that he could think of. 
Excuse some of the terminology that I'm going to use, but the, the Jews of the time considered the Samaritans half-breeds because when they were in captivity by the Assyrians, Jews married Assyrians and then their offspring became Samaritans. And so the Jews of that day considered the Samaritans the worst of the Jews and the worst of the Gentiles. They were despised. And I think in their minds, even the, the guy that asked the question of Jesus, who's my neighbor, I think in his mind, he would have said, it's okay to hate Samaritans because they don't love the true God. Jesus even said they worship some other God in John chapter 4. See, I don't have to love them because they, they worship some other God. I don't have to love them because they stepped outside of God's will and God's plan for the nation of Israel. See, we can have a lot of justification for not being kind to people if we're not careful. But here was a man that was robbed, beaten, bruised. Who helped him? It was the Samaritan, the Samaritan. Generations of hatred came to the surface as Jesus told this story. And don't you love how Jesus used the despised to be the hero of the story? Can you imagine the impact that it had? This Samaritan, although he wasn't born to the right family, he saw the need and he met the need. And then he continued to meet the need. Dr. Tony Evans says this, broken people need someone to show them compassion and give them life not merely to talk to them and to pray for them. This priest and Levite had run into an unplanned ministry opportunity and they ignored it. So how does this relate to us and what are we to do? Well, we're to take action. Remember we talked about the attitude of kindness isn't fulfilled until it's uh, coupled with the action of kindness. That's when it becomes kind. We can have this attitude that we feel sorry for other people or we have empathy for them but until we do something, it really doesn't become kindness. Kindness is fulfilled in action. And so what is it that we're to do? These are two simple points. You don't even have to write them down. You can remember them. Watch. See the need, meet the need. See the need, meet the need. See the need, meet the need. That's what we're to do. This man, the Samaritan, was a businessman probably. He had some means because he was able to pay for all of the support uh, for this, this man. He probably had places to be and people to see and things to do. I'm sure he was as busy as anyone. But when he saw this man, he stopped thinking about himself and started thinking of this other man. Isn't that interesting? The more we think about ourselves, the less we'll see the needs of other people. And the more we see the needs of other people, the less we'll think about ourselves. You see how this works? So here was the priest that had dedicated his life to the work of the Lord, yet missed the work of the Lord. Here was the Levite that dedicated his life to the work of the Lord, but he actually missed the work of the Lord. And here was this despised uh, Samaritan that he might not have known all the scriptures. He might not have been allowed in the temple but he was doing the work of the Lord. I've often said this to caregivers, those that are caring for parents or a relative or anyone else that's in need, that can't take care of themselves. I often say this to you're doing the work of the Lord. And some of them, some people that I know, they're unable to attend church on Sunday, but they've been attending online 
church regularly because they care for someone that can't care for themselves on Sunday, and they feel guilt over that. And you know what I tell them? That's okay. God, under you're doing the work of the Lord. See, we can do the work of the Lord and miss the work of the Lord. We can worship the Lord and not really be worshiping the Lord because you understand worship comes not from here. It comes from here, here, see? And so this Samaritan understood something far greater than what the priest could understand. That Samaritan wouldn't be even allowed in the presence of the priest. See the need, meet the need. How do we meet the need? It's often practical help. It's continual help. It's sacrificial help. How did the Samaritan help this man? He didn't just pray for him, say, I hope you have a good day. No, he pulled out oil and wine and he tended to the wounds. That was practical help. Continual help, he put him on the donkey and took him to an inn that he could be cared for and then excuse me, sacrificial help as he gave his own money to make sure that this man was taken care of. And so our prayer today and throughout our lives is, Lord, give me the eyes that I can see more than just myself and give me the resources to help others. Missionary said this here. I won't say his name, but I remember it clearly. He says, God will give it to you if he can get it through you. God will give it to you if he can get it through you. And see, sometimes we lack the resources that we think that we need is because we're not using the resources for what God wants us to use them for. I'm going to be careful in this, okay? But the American dream is not necessarily God's dream for your life because you can have a big house on earth and there's nothing wrong with that. Enjoy it. Use it for the glory of God. Tell people the testimony of how God provided for your needs. There's nothing wrong with that. Everything God created, is, he created for our enjoyment. You can look it up. 1 Timothy 6.17, if you don't believe me. Part B, the second part of it. Every, so enjoy it. I'm not saying that. But please don't ever think that when you get to heaven, God, God is going to be impressed whatever, with whatever you've accumulated on earth. What, are you going to show them your house? The streets are paved with gold. You're going to show them your car? You're going to show them all the things that you have? Those are all good things. I'm not against nice things. I'm not. But that's not the purpose in life. God's given you that house to be used for his glory. He's given you that car to be used for his glory. So you can work, so you can help meet the needs of others. Do you see what I'm saying here? God's not impressed with any of these material things, and, and they're meaningless to God. But he'll give it to you if he can get it through you. And I think sometimes people miss the blessings of God because they think that everything that is theirs is really theirs. And we miss that understanding that everything that's ours is really his. And we're just sim simply stewards of it. The priest didn't get it. The Levite didn't get it. But the Samaritan got it. Practical help, continual help, sacrificial help. Give me eyes to see, resources to help. It's not, watch, it's not the cost of caring for others that's mad that matters. It's the cost of not caring 
for others that matters. It's not how it affects our wallet. It's how it affects our, our heart. See? When we see the need and ignore the need, it does something to us on the inside. When we see the need and just reject that other person because they don't fit into our, our own category, it does something to our heart on the inside, and we become cold, and we become judgmental, and we become critical, and we become miserable. And how long before we've ignored the need so often that it hinders our relationship with God because God said you can't love me and hate your neighbor. It's not the cost to the wallet, it's the cost to the heart. All of you are generous people, as far as I know. You're godly people, love the Lord, that's why you're here with masks on, I get that. You've helped other people along the way, I know that you have. Some of you I know exactly what you did to help other people. What does God give in exchange for helping other people? Sometimes he gives resources, but he gives something so much better. Joy. 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 Thank you, God, for all that you've given me so that I can help someone else. Thank you, Lord. Isn't joy worth so much more? You know what he hasn't given you when you help meet the needs of other people? He takes away fear of not having enough. Do you know what I've encountered in my life? The people that have the most are often the most fearful about losing what they have. And people that don't have anything, they don't worry about it at all. Sometimes the wealthiest people are the most miserable people because all they can think about is money. Isn't that a sad way to live? See, the cost of helping is not the wallet, it's the heart. What will it do to your heart not to help? And the Samaritan set the example for us. I find it interesting that when Jesus got to who was the neighbor that the expert in the law couldn't even say Samaritan. He couldn't get Samaritan out of his mouth. He said, well, the one that helped him. <laughs> so hateful was he in his own heart. What do we do? We see the need. God, show me the need. Help me meet the need. To the thieves, the traveling Jew became a victim to exploit and so they attacked him. To the priest and the Levite, he was a nuisance to avoid, and so they ignored him. But to the Samaritan, he was a neighbor to love and help, and so he took care of him. What Jesus said to the lawyer, he says to us, go and keep on doing it likewise, or go and do likewise. Let me tell you one final story. It involves me, but it's not about me. It was a Saturday, and this is going back a few years. I think the kids might still have been home at that point, and there was a knock on the door. And I opened the door, and there was a, an older lady there. I won't guess her age, but she was older than, than I was. I'll leave that go. Uh, see if I'll tell this story. I was talking to a dear friend on the phone, and uh, about someone that had passed away. And I said, how old are they? And they said, uh, they said the age. And I said, oh, I didn't realize she was that old. And then I realized the person I was talking to was about the same age. Boy, you just can't back up from that thing. I just changed the subject as fast as I, I could get out of there because I knew I had a shovel and I was digging in deep. Anyway, so this lady that came to the door was, was older. 
And um, she said, I'm, I'm sorry to bother you, but I have a flat tire. And I ended up being able to stop over there across the street, and I could see her car from there. Are you able to help? Now, those of you that know me know I have no idea how to change a tire. Okay? We pay for AAA for such occasions. And uh, I had no idea, but I said, I, I can't do it, but I know someone that can. And I'll say his name. Uh, I called Richie. You probably all knew that anyhow, right? I said, Richie, there's a lady here, needs her tire changed. You know, I don't know how to do it. And he's like, yeah, I know you don't know how to do it. Uh, I'll come and do it, you know. And so he came. And so in the meantime, she needed to go home. Um, and so I drove her home and dropped her off and said, I will come back when your car is all done. He came and he fixed it. And I went back and picked, picked her up and brought her back to her car. But while we were traveling, see, this is the point I want to make. She goes, I've come to many of your Christmas programs and I knew that when I had a need, I could stop here and you would help me. What good would the gospel message have done if we didn't follow it up with kindness? What good is the gospel message if we're too busy to do the actual work of the Lord? You're kind people, I know that. But I'm praying for all of us to have more opportunities to show the kindness of God because what our world needs now is kind people <laughs> that set aside race, socioeconomic status, birthright, believer, non-believer, set aside all these categories that the expert in the law had all these categories that the priest and the Levite had, just set aside all those categories and say, who's my neighbor? The neighbor is the one that has the need I can meet, that I can show them the kindness and the love of God. Be kind and compassionate, Paul said. Forgive as you've been forgiven in Christ God. That's what God calls us to. Well, let's stand together and close this time. Lord, give us eyes to see, hands and resources to meet the need. Thank you for this church that is known as being a generous church. Boy, that's a great reputation that I'll keep. <laughs> We're generous that we want to help the needs of those that are around us. Whether it's giving so that school children can have their lunch debt repaid or whether it's uh, offering facilities for uh, someone else to provide food distribution or whether it's giving the convoy of hope or supporting missionaries throughout the month or just helping our own neighbor. Thank you, Lord, for this generous and kind church. We ask, Lord, as in Jabez's prayer, that you would expand our territory so that we can reach more people with the good news of the gospel, not just in word, but in deed and in action. We pray, Lord, for our country, that you would bring healing to our nation and that our focus would not be as much on presidential politics as it is on the Prince of Peace, that the only answer is not found in Washington. The answer is in Jesus and he's seated at the right hand of the Father, but he's not staying there. He's coming back for his church, and then he'll make everything right. 
Lord, help us to keep our attention on where it needs to be, on you and on others. We thank you for this day. Bless each person, whether they're listening now, whether they're in the social hall, whether they're going to watch the video on YouTube later. Lord, bless each person here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going to close with this, and I want you to look at me. Here's what I want you to know, and here's what the Lord wants you to know. And I'm going to kind of go around and just look at each of you as I do this. God loves you for who you are, not who you think you should be. He loves you right now with all of the mistakes and all of the decisions and all of the good things that you've done, everything that makes up who we are. God loves you. He'll never stop loving you no matter what you do. And there's nothing you can do to earn more of his love. He loves you completely right now. So when all of these thoughts, worries, wonders, fears, and anxiety, you just remind yourself and remind the enemy, God loves me just the way I am, but he loves me too much to leave me that way. He's working. God loves you. Amen. Thank you for listening to Hope Online Podcast. For more information about Hope Assembly of God, go to www.godgivesyouhope.com or download our app in the App Store.